0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we're going to have a special guest, the 2006 Tour de France winner, Floyd Landis. Floyd Landis is taking the, uh, the offensive in the charges that have been leveled against him for um, a high testosterone urine test he took uh, during last year's race. He has a book out now titled Positively False, The Real Story of How I Won the Tour de France. We recorded an interview with Mr. Landis yesterday, which we will air in our second segment. And I'm glad we recorded it yesterday because my voice for some reason is shot today. But bear with me, I'll do the best I can. On this date in history, which is July 19th in 1799, during Napoleon Bonaparte's Egyptian campaign, a soldier discovered a black basalt slab. It was inscribed with ancient writing near the town of Rosetta, about 35 miles north of Alexandria. The stone contained passages written in Greek, Egyptian hieroglyphic, and Egyptian demotic. The Greek passage noted that the three scripts were all of identical meaning. The Rosetta Stone thus held the key to solving the riddle of how to read hieroglyphics. On July 19, 1848, in Seneca Falls, New York, the first women's rights convention was held in the United States. Almost 200 women attended. It was organized by Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. They had met at the 1840 World Anti-Slavery Convention in London, but as women, they were barred from the convention floor and thus was the impetus for their founding of the movement here in the U.S. On July 19, 1898, novelist Emile Zola fled France after being convicted of libel against the French army in the notorious Dreyfus Affair. Zola wrote an inflammatory newspaper letter entitled "J'accuse," exposing a military cover-up regarding Captain Dreyfus, who'd been accused of espionage in 1894 and sentenced in a secret military court-martial. Now, sometime back on this program, we talked about the Dreyfus Affair, but I think it was before we were podcasting, so I'm not sure that is available. But it is an interesting story to be sure, and if you don't know it, I'd recommend you go onto Wikipedia or elsewhere and bone up on it. It's got a lot to say about governments, lying, cover-ups, finding a scapegoat, and the courage of people to come forth and tell the truth, like Emile Zola. And finally, on July 19, 1949... Singer Harry Belafonte began recording for Capitol Records. Capitol didn't believe that Belafonte was commercial enough, but he eventually signed with RCA Victor and had a highly productive career. Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come when we want to. Stuck banana till the morning come. Our quote of the day, we have several quotes the day from the field of sports I think we will indulge in, but our quote of the day comes from the former Green Bay Packers running back Paul Horning, who was asked one time why his wedding was held in the morning. Said Horning, because if it didn't work out, I didn't want to blow the whole day. And we have three bonus sports quotes today. The first from Lou Holtz, who once said, When all is said and done, as a rule, more is said than done. We have a great quote from the former New York Yankees and New York Mets manager, Casey Stengel, who once said, Being with a woman all night never hurt no professional ball player. It's staying up all night looking for one that does him in. And our final quote comes from Shelby Metcalf, who evidently is the Texas A&M basketball coach who once counseled a player who received four F's and a D by saying, son, looks to me like you're spending too much time on one subject. (laughs) All right, our joke of the day is as follows. A man and a woman meet at a bar one day and get along pretty well. They decide to go back to her house where they engage in passionate lovemaking. They suddenly hear a noise at the door. The woman says, quick, my husband's home. Go hide in the bathroom. The husband then comes into the bedroom, looks at her, and says, why are you naked? The woman smiles and says, well, I, I heard you pull up outside, so I thought I'd come in here and get ready. Okay, the husband replies. I'll be back in a minute. Before his wife can stop him, he goes into the bathroom and sees the naked man standing there clasping his hands. Who the hell are you, the husband asks. I'm from the extermination company, he says. Your wife called me to get rid of the moths you're having trouble with. The husband's getting red in the face and angry. He says, then why are you naked? man looks down at himself and goes, those bastards. Our statistic of the day is as follows. The United States last year imported $5.3 million worth of American flags manufactured in other countries, according to the Wall Street Journal. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for Redemption, when it was reported that Louisiana Senator David Vitter was on the client list of the D.C. madam, Deborah Jean Palfrey. Vitter is one of the leading family values Republicans and is Rudy Giuliani's Southern Regional Campaign Chairman. In a written statement, Vitter admitted having committed, quote, a very serious sin, unquote, but also insisted that was the end of the story. He said, several years ago, I asked for and received forgiveness from God and my wife in confession and marriage counseling. Noted syndicated columnist Bill Press, uh, this is not what Vitter said about Bill Clinton back in the fall of 1998. When Clinton made the identical argument about consulting God and wife, after details of his affair with Monica Lewinsky became public, Vitter, then still a state senator, condemned Clinton as, quote, morally unfit to govern, unquote. But the part I like the most about this story is apparently his trafficking with prostitutes involved him being diapered. And no, I don't know any more details than that, nor do I wish to. But I will say this. I find this entirely consistent with the type of family values we've been getting from the right wing of the GOP now for the past 15 years. All right, according to The Week magazine, last week was a bad week for Speed reading, after David Barclay, age 34, flew from Toronto to his hometown of Cardiff, Wales, to attend the wedding of a childhood friend, only to learn that the ceremony is scheduled for July 6, 2008. Barclay blamed his mistake on reading an email announcement too quickly. And finally, it appears it was kind of an ugly week last week for Catholic-Protestant relations after Pope Benedict XVI issued an official document that declared Roman Catholicism the only real Christian religion. Protestant churches, the Pope said, cannot be called churches in the proper sense. And in a special addendum, it appears that last week was also an ugly week for Catholic-Jewish relations after Pope Benedict decreed that Catholic priests no longer have to get permission from a bishop to conduct the Mass in Latin. The Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith called the decision a theological setback because the Latin version of the Good Friday Mass contains a prayer that calls for the conversion of the Jews. That particular prayer was dropped from the service in the 1960s when the Second Vatican Council overhauled practices and ordered the Mass to be celebrated in local languages. But uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, now Pope Benedict, uh, (laughs) appears to, again, be taking the Church full speed in reverse, back to, I don't know, the 13th century. Anyway, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, our true or false question of today is going to be, can you fire a pistol underwater? Let's phrase it properly. A pistol can be fired underwater. True or false? We will have the answer later in the program. All right, we have several items from the miscellaneous file. According to the New York Times, 57% of Toyota Prius owners said they bought the gas-saving hybrid because, quote, it makes a statement about me, unquote. Only 36% cited higher fuel economy as a top reason for buying the car. That's from the New York Times, which also noted that after a highway or bridge adopts an easy pass or other automatic debit system, tolls go up about 30% compared to roads and bridges at which motorists must still pay tolls with paper money and coins. Economist Amy Finkelstein said that people are less aware of toll increases when they're automatically deducted and that policymakers know it. I guess we should have called this the New York Times uh, file because that's this third item also comes from the Times. It was noted that free pornographic photos and videos are now so easy to find on the Internet that it's hurting the X-rated film industry. Sales and rentals of pornographic videos dropped from $4.2 billion in 2005 to $3.6 billion last year. This is the first decline in decades. Said uh, professional pornographer Harvey Kaplan, people are making movies in their houses and uploading them to free websites. It's killing the marketplace. Well, you know what that means. We're going to have to bring back Radio Parallax as adult film correspondent Christy Canyon to see what she can tell us about this disturbing trend to the adult film industry. And in some local news, UC Davis has now completed its uh, four-year transition period and officially is now an NC2A Division I school. Davis's 800 student-athletes and 26 various varsity sports are now eligible for conference championships and postseason play in Division I. UCD will compete in the Big West Conference. I don't know, this story kind of cracks me up. The NC28 certification process included a campus self-study with faculty, staff, and student committees charged with examining such topics as governance, rules compliance, academic integrity, equity, and welfare of the student-athlete. I don't know. In my years at Davis, I observed that every student-athlete I ever met could read and write and do simple sums. At the very least, something (laughs) I'll wager cannot be said about a substantial proportion of the nation's other NCAA Division I schools. I always remember that joke about how at, at USC, they wouldn't award you an athletic letter unless you could... Identify the letter. All right, we do have to say I do have one uh, one bone to pick here with the athletic programs here at uh, this university. I uh, took off at University Airport a few days back, was flying around the greater Sacramento region. And uh, somewhere between Cameron Park and, and Mather Field, or I guess it was a little bit past Mather Field, I was looking to the west, and you can see these this incredible beacon out in Yolo County. In fact, I've observed this several years ago, leaving like... Santa Rosa Airport, you no sooner get up over the the foothills to the west when you can see this giant set of lights, which turns out to be the athletic fields here at UC Davis. Now, I know if you're going to want to play sports at night, you, you you, you appreciate some good lighting, but holy mackerel. I am not kidding you. This looks like the brightest bank of lights anywhere in the Sacramento region. And you know, upon landing the plane, I drove past the field and noticed that some guys and gals were out there playing some softball. You know, UC Davis is noted for being uh, environmentally friendly, and I tell you, that's a lot of uh, a lot of illumination that seems to be going to waste since, uh, you know, I mean, it's great if you want to use it as a beacon for aircraft to home in on Davis from 20 or 30 miles out, but it does seem like a bit of overkill for your friendly evening softball game, at least it seems that way to this correspondent. And in some other sort of uh, unsettling news from Davis, we note uh, the article in the Sacramento Bee by Mary Lynn about uh, Yolo County's plans to uh, build on the periphery of Davis. I didn't know this, but according to the article, uh, Yolo County and the city of Davis have had a truce for going going back a couple decades. The county has agreed to stick to farming and not allow significant development on unincorporated land just outside the city's border. And in return, Davis pays a proportion of its property taxes to the county, about $2 million a year. Now, however, the supervisors, according to the article, are pursuing a potential development on 2,500 acres right along the city's edge. Last week, the Davis City Council fired off a, a strongly worded letter to the supervisors opposing the growth plans. Note that the article, if Yolo County gets into the urban growth business, it will mark a significant break from its long-standing policies. But supervisors, and isn't this typical... Supervisors say, uh, well, Supervisor Mike McGowan said, we need to improve our revenue side so we can continue to provide the same level of services. And, and stop me if you heard this one before. One of the properties under consideration, 1,500 acres south of I-80, could accommodate a stem cell research center and potentially thousands of accompanying homes. That's proposed by Sacramento developer Angelo K. Sakopoulos, who, not coincidentally, owns most of the land. The county is also considering uh, allowing 5,000 to 7,500 new houses in Dunnigan. Apparently, county supervisor uh, Matt Rexroad, is not, uh, and who's a former mayor of Woodland, is not excited about some of this development idea. But the article goes on to note that a former Davis mayor is threatening to launch a recall campaign against Mariko Yamada and Helen Thompson, the two supervisors who represent the Davis area. Uh, the two supported the idea of studying the new growth areas in an earlier vote in March. Anyway, in summary, Angelo Sakopoulos is at it again, talking about how we get stem cell research and, you know, mom and the flag and apple pie and all sorts of wonderful things from, you know, developing the farmland that he's had the foresight to snap up. We're going to try and continue to follow this story, uh, but, you know, in terms of just in, in general launching a recall campaign against Helen Thompson... Someone needs to go take a look at what uh, she and her brethren did uh, about 15, 16 years ago in closing down Yolo General Hospital out in Woodland. I used to work there, and it was an amazing thing, watching them hold hearings and decide that, well, we have to close down this hospital and yet be unable to offer a coherent, intelligent reason why, then turn around and spend much, much, much more of the county's money to provide the same services in other venues. I was given information a couple years after, after the fact that the county was then spending as much money for just mental health as it was for the entire hospital, which included a nursing home, mental health facilities, an ER, and a hospital with an ICU. And yes, I doubt that anyone listening is going to take an interest in that story now a decade and a half plus old, but I wish somebody would. All right, we regret to inform you that uh, Congressman Ron Paul did not respond to uh, our—well, they did respond, but we were not able to get uh, the congressman on this program. He came out to Silicon Valley um, last week, but we're going to keep trying because his website has some very interesting things on it. In fact, let me read a few quotes from uh, from a video of Congressman Paul that's on YouTube. Ron Paul, we should remind you, is a Texas congressman of a libertarian bent who is one of the candidates for the Republican uh, nomination for president. He doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of getting it, but he is a legitimate candidate just the same. This video contains some telling quotes, uh, not from Ron Paul necessarily, but things he thinks are philosophically relevant, such as the quote from Thomas Jefferson. I would rather be exposed to the inconveniences attending too much liberty than to those attending too small a degree of it. Quote from the congressman, Let it be clearly understood, there is no authority to wage war against Iraq without Congress passing a declaration of war. He went on to say, Only tyrants can take a nation to war without the consent of the people. The planned war against Iraq without a declaration of war is illegal. It is unwise because of the many unforeseen consequences that are likely to result. Well, four years later, that seems like an understatement, doesn't it? Although, in truth, those consequences were not unforeseen. So the congressman, five years ago, in March 1st, 2002, the American people become less secure when we risk a major conflict driven by commercial interests. Victory under these circumstances is always elusive and unintended consequences are inevitable. The congressman has called for pulling out of Iraq by September, and says we should not be patrolling the streets with American troops. That's a police function that should be done by the Iraqis. By the way, I want to thank Jimmy Dew for sending us this uh, this YouTube and an email. The most curious uh, quote out of, this, uh, of, of the many that were listed, came from Dwight D. Eisenhower, the man who planned the D-Day invasion of Europe. Eisenhower said, Preventative war was an invention of Hitler. Frankly, I would not even listen to anyone seriously that came and talked about such a thing. Anyway, we're going to keep working on Ron Paul. We'd like to have him as a guest, and we may be able to bring you Dennis Kucinich, who had been previously on, uh, on this show. And uh, and others, we will continue to try and you know bring some uh, some voices that we think need to be heard uh, on KDVS. And in other presidential uh, news, we note uh, the headline from MSNBC.com: Gilmore pulls out of presidential race, which we will confess shocked us because we didn't know that Gilmore was in the presidential race. And uh, from what I read, the man in question is former Virginia Governor Jim Gilmore, who we must confess uh, we didn't know a damn thing about. It doesn't appear there's a whole lot of motivation to go out and, and learn. But uh, according to Reuters, with Gilmore's departure, there are now nine Republicans vying for their party's nomination to contest the presidential election in November of 2008. But it seems clear the number is going to go back up to 10 with the addition of Fred Thompson, the former senator from Tennessee. And uh, let's close, uh, let's close this segment uh, with an item about Fred Thompson. The buzz is that, uh, well, the, the question people are asking is, is America ready for a president with a trophy wife? Because, according to uh, Susan Salney writing in the New York Times, the uh, story here is that uh, at Thompson's early campaign events, the Republican operatives have been struck by the buzz caused by Thompson's 40-year-old wife, Jerry, whose youth, bleached blonde hair, and sexy, form-fitting gowns seem somewhat at odds with the jolly gravitas of the grandfatherly Thompson, age 64. The New York Times asked, will his younger wife be a help or a hindrance, admitting that the, you know, to even ask the question may seem sexist or even crass. But my favorite analysis came from syndicated columnist Ron Hart, who noted that while it's true that big-haired Baptist women may resent Thompson for marrying such a young, stylish woman, but uh, if he can get past them in the primaries, Jerry will actually serve as a plus for his campaign. Said Hart, like it or not, we live in an increasingly looks-driven society, and Jerry holds a certain undeniable appeal to a crucial demographic. That would be males between the age of 18 and 102. It's a beautiful girl. Ah, oh, yeah, beautiful girl. Oh, come this way, baby. All right, let's take a short break and come back and have a, a talk with the distinguished cycling champion Floyd Landis. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax.